Welcome to the Inspiro Podcast, the podcast exploring personal growth, leadership, strategy, communication, and fulfillment. We are your hosts, Jason Luchtefeld and Bill Woodburn. I'm here as a dentist transitioning into a career to help facilitate individuals and their organizations towards a more fulfilling future. Hi there, I'm Bill Woodburn, and I'm a licensed professional counselor and licensed marriage and family therapist in Austin, Texas. I'm fascinated by the way people come together to solve problems, whether that's couples or families, dental practices or organizations. We're going to be exploring a lot of topics, and for us to be able to be free to do that, I have to let you know that this is not intended to be dental advice or counseling advice. I want to just recognize that dentistry-like counseling is a dangerous profession emotionally. Now, luckily, our, our professions are not dangerous physically, but it hurts sometimes. Some would argue that in dentistry. But <laughs> okay. I'll let you, uh, we'll, we'll stick to the emotional side for okay. now. <laughs> well, remind me to tell you the story about a client that walked in with a gun. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, after telling me that he came in because he wanted, he had this desire to shoot people, it's like, oh, yeah, great. Okay. Right. My, my profession just got more dangerous. Right. Um, but where, where I'm headed on this is I would love for the dentist that listen to this to have some self-compassion that, that however technically you, you're good at dentistry, it still requires something special and human that is both effort and also uh, put ourselves out there where we could get hurt. I see it in the isolation that many dentists talk to me about, that they that they are not as able to connect as they would like to, that some of that seems to be built into the profession. It's built in a little bit in counseling. We have to, we have to be careful of it. Do, do we, do we, you know, we, we are trying to be healers and we're trying to relate to people and not burden people. But at some point, does that mean that that we become isolated and, and our needs never get put out there for, for others to take care of us? And so there's this terrible feeling of isolation. I take care of them. Nobody takes care of me. And that's one of the things that I think it leads, is the, one of the quickest things I think leads to burnout in both our professions is to be helping other people every day. And if no one's helping you, or if you feel like you cannot ask for other people to help you, I think that's a real danger signal. If you're a young dentist, you know, there's a, there's a sell-by date on how far you can go without learning how to ask for your own needs to be met um, and, and breaking some of that isolation. Um, another word, another one is, is just uh, kind of dealing with other people's pain. Um, you, you started off talking about that. And I, I, you know, it, I sometimes imagine, wouldn't it be great to work in a profession where I was around happy people all the time? I'm not sure what profession that is, but you know, sign me up. Uh, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be great? 
Um, you know, we're not. People don't come to me and the people don't come to you because their day is wonderful. So, Bill, I think the problem is we're too tall. You have to be an Oompa Loompa. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. All right. It's some, there's something wearing about witnessing other people's pain. It's a very healing thing for those people that you that you witness their pain and that you help them have some sense of, if not necessarily um, total control over their lives, at least there are things to do about the pain. That can be a wonderful balm for people that walk in. Oh, you mean you can do things about this? Oh, this is, you know, that that actually takes away a lot of pain right there. So there are there procedures or medications or things to do? Um, but there's something that we talk about in, in counseling, um, vicarious trauma, that listening to other people's pain can hurt us. What I do to, to prevent that, because a lot of people were, were, were talking, uh, occasionally talk to me about, well, I just couldn't, you know, do what you do and listen to people's pain all day. Uh, and I say, well, I couldn't either, except I can do something about it. And that sense that I'm there to work with them to do something about their pain is, is the way I get through it. And I'm imagining as a dentist knowing that, yes, I mean, this lady in the chair is crying and she has chronic pain or she has a pain, but I'm in a really good spot to help her with that pain. I have the skills, I have the, the, the you know i have the medications i have i have what it takes we let's i'm i'm not helpless in 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 the face of the pain so what i've found personally is what hurts me with the pain is when i'm helpless in front of it mm -hmm. when i can do something about it i can i can work with it mm -hmm. so let me suggest that if if you're out there and you're you're working with patients in pain particularly in chronic pain Monitor your own sense of helplessness, because that's what's going to make this injurious to you. If if you're out there kind of doing battle with the pain and you know, helping people and you know using your skills, you you can you can handle a lot of pain. If you feel frustrated, if you feel like there's nothing you're doing to improve anything, I think you need to take a look because that's that's probably hurting you. The last one is that one of the things that and I alluded to it before is. Sometimes we go home with the big questions, you know, with those big philosophical life questions. If you're dealing with other human beings, particularly if they are in pain or striving, uh, you get hit with questions that really require an answer. Again, why, why do bad things happen to good people? Ooh, I mean, they're, they're, there's a pile of books taller than me written on that. Um why why is 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 this person that way i don't know you know there are tons of books i can give you all sorts of explanations but when it comes right down to it there's this bigger sort of existential question why is it that way and and why does it have to be that way or why did it was it that way this time um i i hear that in dentists who's like okay i've, I've been in practice in this town for you know 
20 years, am I really helping this town? Am I helping this community? Am I going to try to, you know, give a little bit and I'm, I'm on board of this or that, but I mean, is it, is it making any difference? I mean, are things better now than they were 20 years ago when I started this practice? Um, when you, you have that situation where a, a team member says, I don't like this practice, I'm leaving. And you go, well, I thought I was building a good practice, a, a good place for people to be. Am I, am I not? I mean, is there, is there a hole in the bucket here somewhere that I that I don't know about? Or is it just a bad fit? Again, you're stuck with those questions. It's like, oh yeah. If 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 you were, you know, picking up trash every day with the city, I mean, you don't have questions like that. You know, you either pick it up or you don't. If you're running a practice, yeah, why did that patient leave? Uh, why did that team member leave? why are these two team members angry at each other in my practice? I thought, I thought we were building something different. Um, why did those parents come in and yell at me about what I did for the kid? I mean, I thought I was helping. We, we inherit these questions and I don't have some slick solution to this, except to, to say, you got to spend some time also getting good with fielding those questions. You don't want them to build up. You need to you need to end up with some sort of answers that work for you. Look around, bro. Look at life. I think we gave one answer in uh, one of our previous episodes when we talked about the four agreements. <laughs> so taking things personally is a problem that compounds. We get piled on in dentistry. So I'll throw a pity party here. For a little bit for dentists and those in the dental profession uh, because we do get hit from multiple angles so if you're the owner <laughs> there are a lot of people say it's all on you if it if something's going wrong it's your fault if you're not collecting enough it's your fault if your team is fighting it's your fault if your patients it's your fault there are uh patients that come in every day and <laughs> tell you that they hate you no offense, but I hate you. Oh, well, it's okay then. <laughs> and some of us can let that roll off our backs. Like, a, what's it? What's the saying? A water off a duck's back. And for some people, that is like a little nail in the fence. You know, you can take the nail out, but there's still a scar there. And so that does add up over time, whether you acknowledge it or not. And... Then there is a general, I think, lack of appreciation. Uh, I don't think that team members tell each other enough what they appreciate in them. And I don't think patients tell their caregivers enough what how they appreciate them and vice versa, how caregivers tell patients. <laughs> and then I think that... Oh, where was I going with the next one? We add all that up and we end up with a situation where over time we go home at the end of the day saying, why am I doing this? Uh, nobody cares. Nobody's getting better. Oh, that was the last thing. Um, the filling I did last week the hurts now. <laughs> the, the crown I did hurts. The, the denture doesn't feel right. You know, and it's all my fault. Or 
It could be the hygienist. The hygienist does a cleaning. Teeth are sensitive afterwards. It's all her fault. And so they get that a lot. So anyway, we add all that up and we can feel pretty crappy. And finding ways to develop your own personal resilience. Hey, this is Jason stepping in here, interrupting for a second. Let you know we do have a personal resilience toolkit. It's free. Uh, it is available on our website. If you can find it there, or you can email us in spiropodcast at gmail.com and we'll email it over to you. The free PDF helps to develop your own personal resilience. Cheers. It's helpful. We've talked about some of that before. Uh, and uh, developing a team that is supportive is really helpful and developing a practice of patience that will vocalize appreciation that you develop honest conversation that people take responsibility. It's hard. It takes time, but it's doable. There was a patient I had, I mean, a client I had many years ago and um, the first session she came in, she sat down she said, I hate being here. And the next session she came in, sat down and she said, I hate being here. I worked with her for two years. Every session she came in and she started with it. I hate being here. Um, there was, there was a little bit of progress partway through because she changed to, I hate being here and I hate you. Um, but I had, um, I had a wonderful observation that really helped me. And she, she came in and she said, she said she hated being there. She didn't like it. She came Every appointment for two years, once a week, she never missed an appointment. So sometimes we have to look at what people do, not what the people say. Mm -hmm. That sometimes we look at their participation and we look at their struggle. And sometimes I don't, I don't listen to what people say about themselves. So like, yeah, no. She doesn't want to be here. Well, you know, I get it. But I had to look at what she was doing and what she was committing to and how she was participating to help me feel better. About that. I think that sometimes in, in all, I'll say, healthcare, including counseling, um, we can rob ourselves of that by getting too much into, you know, some sort of dominance of the of the patient or the client. We're trying to get them to do stuff. Okay, well, if you set that up, then you don't really get to look at how they're participating and how they're joining you in the struggle and what they're doing from their end. It all becomes only from your end. And if they're not doing right, I'm not controlling them enough. Okay, but that's a slippery slope that has very bad feelings at the bottom of it. You might feel many different feelings and they're all okay. We're, we're working on this together. So we're, we're something of a team. And so if, if that patient doesn't like dentistry, it isn't personal, particularly when I notice that they're coming in for every appointment for this procedure mm -hmm. and they pay at the end. It's like, well, wait a minute, you know, whatever they said about it. The other, the last piece is I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to spot that you, uh, you were doing some real serious negative self-talk on the whose fault is this. Mm -hmm. That's real human, and I sure have done it. I mean, I was the professional in the room, and things went bad. I was like, 
Yeah, I'm, I must have screwed up somewhere. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, sometimes I'm able to also walk into those situations like, yeah, but I'm the guy who is in the best situation to do something about this. That same situation that makes it your fault is also the one that empowers you to act and for your actions to be important. Whether you're a counselor or a dentist, or particularly if you're a practice leader, it's like, oh my gosh, I could totally screw this up. Yeah, and you can also totally save that practice. Mm -hmm. And so there, there are lots of ways to look at this. Yeah, I, I think I, I totally <laughs> agree. I um, I suspect we all go through a a life cycle. There's probably a graph out there somewhere that shows this life cycle of how we we initially blame ourselves and then we blame the patient and then we realize that it's neither person neither's fault and it's the situation and both of us can contribute to it being better next time or something like that that yeah. uh, you know we can and you get to a point where I, i'm sure with your experience you've seen this as well where you realize there are situations where you did mess up the patient felt something because of it afterwards you realize it you own it you make it better and you come out of that better in the end even though you might have not felt great during and it helps you for the next time to be able to then know you know what i did everything right there but biology's weird and I can't predict everything. And being able to share that openly with people is helpful too. And so I think the same thing can apply to conversations. You know what? I had, I, I regret that conversation I had. I never should have said those things. I felt bad afterwards. I want to say something different next time I have that kind of conversation. So I think there's value in that learning process that we go through. As I'm going to call it caregivers, I, I assume it's in all professions that are dealing with other people. And you know what? To be honest, I think it probably even happens on a factory floor because you have humans talking to each other, trying to get one person to do something different or better or whatever. People have bad days. People are trying to, you know, do a good job. Some people don't care. You, you have all some similar things. You just don't have the same sort of uh, personal, emotional attacks that you can get in a, a well, dental office. In, or... in professions, we, we've also built these terrible systems where we can't say the things sometimes that we need to say to patients or clients. I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Can't say that. That's true. I messed up. Can't say that. Right. I'm sorry. Can't say right. that. Now, I'd like to say that you can say that, but the, the, the way we're taught, the way this is all put together, we're not supposed to say those words. And yet those are the very those are the very words that save us. Right. To be able to say, you know, I, I don't know what to do here. Right. Or I've done all I know what to do here. Yeah. Or I'm going to have to find somebody else who can do more for you. Yeah. 
It's like, yeah, those are hard words to say. It's really hard. And and yet they're they're the words that save us. Many years ago, uh, had a client called up. Uh, I'd seen her a few years before. We'd done some really good work. She called me up and she said, um, I'm in the hospital. They, I have cancer. They say I'm dying. Would you come come see me again? And I was just heartbroken. I mean, she was a lady somewhere in somewhere in her 30s. Had a lot of life left, and this was a tragedy. Of course, yeah, I, I went to the went to the hospital and uh, I sat with her occasionally. Um, she's pretty weak, and so we didn't always talk a lot. There was this oncologist. Whenever he showed up, I don't know if he had gone to the Sunny Bright School of Oncology or whatever. He was just so positive, and she said, but he was just so unreal. Mm. And we're going to do this, and it's going to be all right. We're going to do that, it's going to be all right. And he always had this next thing. And, and, and I mean, I'm not a physician, but I looked at this lady, I think, no, I think she's dying. You know, I mean, it was just death was like in the room with us. It's like, don't you see that? doc i mean you know oh next thing next thing next thing one day when he was there and he was talking about the next thing she gestured him over because she was kind of she's pretty weak and he went over and she gestured him he you know bent down over her and she looked at him and she said i forgive you I'd never seen an oncologist cry before. He was struggling so hard against his own, his own personal sense of guilt and inadequacy. Here's this lovely young lady and he was gonna lose her. She was gonna lose her, I was gonna lose her, and he was gonna lose her. Mm -hmm. And he just couldn't walk in there and say that to her, that thing that we all knew, and be at peace with, you know, we've we've done about what we can. Next step for you is 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 going to be death, and we're going to try to make that step as good as possible. I think she would have liked to have heard that. Mm -hmm. What a way to end an episode. Tune in next week where we'll have the conclusion to the series where Bill and I talk about a couple related quotes and wrap up the conversation.